Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me is a man that's fresh off the boat from the island of the Misfit Toys. He is the captain. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Merry Christmas, Captain. You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. I might smell like beer and cheese. This week, we are drinking Mississippi Mud Black and Tan by Matt Brewing Company. You've probably seen this one before, even though you don't know that you've seen it. This is the one that comes in the the big jug-looking thing that has the big alligator on it. Garage grade three and a half out of five bottle caps. Mississippi Mud is brought to us by some of our favorite True Crime Garage Army members. First, we have Dave. Dave wants to wish his good friend Hutch from Toronto, Canada, a very happy birthday. So happy birthday, Hutch, from your buddy David, and of course, from myself and the captain. Like your jib. Next, we have Becky from the ever-so-popular location of Parts Unknown. Also, we have Deborah, who says she can't get enough true crime garage. I think Deborah must live down the street from Becky in beautiful Parts Unknown. We want to say <laughs> hi to Sean and to Tim. Tim, who says... Keep up the good work, guys. And we also have Daphne in Los Angeles who says next time we are in L.A., she would like to treat us to a proper round. Treat yourself, folk. That's right. Next up, we have Ryan who says, I like your Ghibli giblets. <laughs> Pour one on the garage floor for me. Well, go ahead, Captain. Just dump a beer no, on the floor no, no, for Ryan. No. Nick, ha- Nick has to clean up after every show, so that would be not nice to Nick. And last but not least, we have Monica in Washington who recommends Belching Beaver Horchata Imperial Milk Stout. Say what? So we'll add that one to the list. So thank you for everybody for kicking in for the beer fun this week. And if you'd like to buy us around for next week's show, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. And like always, you can follow us on Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, and Untapped, all at True Crime Garage. 
That's enough of the business. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer, and let's talk some true crime. This is True Crime Garage. And this is the case of Jessica Chambers. Several people are being questioned, but so far, no arrests yet in the brutal murder of a Panola County, Mississippi teenager. Well, even seasoned investigators are calling Jessica Chambers' murder the most brutal crime they've ever seen. The 19-year-old was found Saturday near Cortland, Mississippi. She was set on fire inside her car and died later. WREG's April Thompson tells us how her family says they're barely, barely holding on. I've been doing it for 21 years now, and. As far as the manner of death, this is, this is certainly one of the worst I've ever dealt with. District Attorney John Champion said Tuesday investigators are leaving no stone unturned for the killer of 19-year-old Jessica Chambers. We're bringing you know folks in to interview and talking to different uh, you know potential witnesses, uh, but as far as arrests are concerned, there have been none made. Champion wouldn't talk about Chambers' autopsy results or her activities the night she died. He did say investigators are checking her cell phone to see who she'd been talking to. Something went wrong and we don't know what yet. Charlotte Wilkerson says she was brought in for questioning after her phone number showed up. And they took, you know, they took her phone records and I was in there as she called me Auntie Shasha. And I was in there Shasha and I went and, you know, talked to them just Sunday evening. She was a loving child, man, 19 years old, just, just finished high school, you know, had her whole life in front of her. Ben Chambers, Jessica's father, says he's in pain, knowing how terribly she must have suffered. 98% of her body was burnt. Only thing that wasn't burnt was the bottom of her feet. Uh, it's just destroyed our family, man. It's destroyed our family. He says he has faith that investigators will find who's responsible for his daughter's death and is touched by the show of support from people who've heard about the tragedy. From New York to East Coast to West Coast, people I've never even heard a dream call me, you know, and, and like Saturday night, they all go, light a candle for my daughter. December 6th, 2014. This case takes place in Cortland, Mississippi, which is in the northern part of the state. We have a young woman, Jessica Chambers. She's 19 years old, graduated from high school, and she is staying at her mom's house. And she goes to a gas station nearby the home. Uh, and she tells her mother that she is leaving to go clean out her car and to go get something to eat. Um, within a few hours of that, you know, she is found in a situation that is, is horrible beyond belief. Mm -hmm. And this story very quickly becomes national news. Jessica does not come home that night. And unfortunately she will be dead by the next day. And yes, all the cases that we cover are pretty brutal, but this one is, uh, especially brutal. 
So if you're sensitive to that stuff, uh, we, we normally try to stay away from the gore and the graphic nature of all the crimes going into details. But with the Jessica Chambers case, uh, some of that we can't get around. So if you're sensitive to that, then uh, you might want to not listen to this episode. At 8.09 p.m., the uh, fire department is going to respond to a vehicle on fire call. Now, fortunately, in this situation, they were able to arrive very quickly mm-hmm. to this uh, to this call because they were just on a recent call uh, of a house on fire that they were leaving previously that put them in the area. When they arrive, they are greeted with, with a horrible sight. This is a young woman, and she's been very badly burned. Well, I mean, I think you're skipping over it. I mean, l- let me handle this for a second. The firefighters show up at the scene. There's a car ablaze. Their first concern, obviously, is that, is there anybody in the vehicle? And they don't assume so. This is a firefighter group. These are all volunteers. It's a very small town. Mm-hmm. But then out of the darkness comes this figure, and it's this young lady. 90% of her body is burnt. And I, I couldn't even imagine what that sight would be for them. And so now we have a whole different situation. We're not just putting out this fire. Now we got to take care of this. I mean, she's 90% burnt over her whole body. Pretty much the only thing that wasn't burnt was the soles of her feet. Mm-hmm. And now they are, she is telling them or trying to communicate with them. Uh, and then they end up rushing her to the hospital. Yeah, they, they life flight her out of there uh, in a helicopter trying to save her life. And she's in an extremely bad condition, bad shape. She does try to talk to uh, one of the first responders. And it's later rumored that, <clears throat> excuse me, somebody at the scene had said that she had tried to tell them who had attacked her. Right. And that she had may had said the word Derek or Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, but this person was uncertain. Now the, the police were very quick to come out and say that, you know, we cannot say with certainty that she said who attacked her. All we can say is that she did communicate with the first responders and we are working on using that as a lead. So unfortunately when, when they arrive, when the first responders arrive, you know, as the captain said, they're responding to a car on fire. That's all they're expecting to see. You know, vehicles get in accidents, cars catch on fire. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a small town. We're talking like 400, maybe 500 people live in this area. And so they're not expecting to show up and see anything out of, you know, above and beyond a car on fire. And so when when they see the young woman, when they see Jessica Chambers, she's described as stumbling blindly on the road. Um, and she... She, again, as mentioned, she does go up to the first responders who are going to try to save her and she's whispering or trying to communicate with them in some fashion. And she's saying what, what has been echoed as either Eric or Derek. Um, again, this is not confirmed by either law enforcement or the district attorney. Um, they, they've been really good about keeping everything close to their uh, vest in this case. Now, one thing they would say after they uh, rushed her out of there, they sent her to a hospital in Memphis, Tennessee, mm-hmm. um, but she could not be saved. Uh, and they were reporting that she had received burns 
on 90% of 98% of her body and the doctors could not even insert a breathing tube because her airway had been so badly damaged. Now, Jessica's mother, Lisa Chambers, states that Jessica went to go clean out her car and then she was going to go get something to eat and she never came home. Her father, Ben, would later tell the news and media a little more about how his daughter was found. You know, he says that the fire department arrived. Jessica was walking down the road and on fire. The only part of her body that wasn't burned was the bottom of her feet. And he would go on to say that they... Whomever did this, they squirted light fluid, fluid, lighter fluid, lighter yeah. fluid down her throat and in her nose. And apparently, she had been knocked out uh, before this took place because she had a big gash on top of her head. Yeah, uh, so you, you have the gash on the head, and the the interesting thing here is they they constantly say lighter fluid. It's some kind of accelerant. Mm-hmm. So to to me, it's like it it doesn't have to be. The car was set on fire with gasoline, and then that somebody used lighter fluid to pour down her throat, which is, you know, barbaric. It ch- chances are to me, it's it whatever was used on the car was also used on her. Now, how did they get it down her esophagus? Because she was so badly burned inside, down her esophagus, and then up her like nasal passages. Mm-hmm. And that's why the doctors are saying they could not use the breathing tube to uh, try to help save her. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this is this is why, unfortunately, because how she's found, this is why this case became such big news and such national news so quickly. Um, we have a young woman who's burned alive and she may have said who who had attacked her to the first responders. Um you know, again, investigators would not comment on that to this day, but it, it, right. especially back then when this case was new in the late part of 2014. Now, one can only speculate, you know, I'm sure she probably tried to communicate something to mm-hmm. the first responders. Um, however, being that disoriented, being going, you know, she's probably in shock. Uh, mm-hmm. She's got the gash to her head. She's so badly burnt, possibly even on, you know, her throat and, and face as well. I don't know how or what ability she would have to communicate anything. Well, and again, all these reports coming out by her father, there is no autopsy report that I could find. So again, there's a, there's the trial happening. And so they can't, they don't release this information. I, I, at some point, the autopsy is going to be released mm-hmm. and we'd have more knowledge. But based on we, we can just go based off of what the, the father is saying. Right. Right. And that's that was his comments to the news and media in the early goings of this investigation. Now, Ben, the father, he works as a mechanic for the sheriff's department. Mm-hmm. So he may have been privy to some information, being that he's the father of the victim and that he works with some of the people investigating this case. Well, and also his daughter is, you know, was sent to a hospital. She passed away the next day. And then just the conversation that he's having with the doctors. Mm-hmm. The doctors, it's not a full autopsy, but the doctors are obviously knowledgeable and the nurses are knowledgeable uh, on what's happening with her and her condition to try to save her life. Now quickly in this 
investigation, there's another bit of information that comes out. So, of course, they're trying to piece together Jessica Chambers' last hours. You know, what did she do that last day? And who may have been with her and could have had the means of attacking her that day? Um, and it's quickly reported that a there's a videotape that comes out. And this is surveillance footage from the gas station that we had mentioned that she had stopped off at. Uh, on the surveillance footage, you can see Jessica waving to someone out of the view of the camera. And then she goes over and talks to whom I presume is whomever she was waving to. Jessica eventually returns to her car. She finishes pumping gas and she drives away. Now, during this brief stop at the gas station, you can also see a man in a striped shirt who appears to be filling up a gas can. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he walks off. So, of course, police feel that this is a lead and that this is something that they need to find Jessica's killer. So with the small town and this gas station being a hot spot and all these cameras that are set up at the gas station, this is going to be something that is going to give law enforcement a lot of clues and a lot of information to look into. Yeah, and let's introduce the district attorney, John Champion, because if mm -hmm. you start to look into this case, he is... He's very prominent. He's at the forefront of almost every news uh, clip that you're going to see out there. And he's given a lot of interviews um, since this attack. Um, now, as said, well, since this murder. Yeah. Uh, John Champion is the district attorney for the area. And he goes on to clear up um, a few things and better describe some of the surveillance footage and the scene to which firefighters arrive. Mm -hmm. Champion does repeat that Jessica's mother had said that the 19-year-old had left the house to clean out her car and to get something to eat. There had been a rumor going around early in the investigation that Jessica was going to go to a party. But as anyone can see when you watch the surveillance footage, she is not dressed like she's going to go to a party. She has her hair just like like she just put it up in a bun mm -hmm. and she's wearing what appears to be camouflage pajama pants. Mm -hmm. So she's very extremely casual, almost rolled out of bed casual. Uh, plus police would go on to speak with persons at the party that it was rumored that she was going to go to. And they all said that they had never seen Jessica at the party. This is all crucial stuff here because the authorities are trying to learn what happened to Jessica between the stop at the gas station and then about 90 minutes later when she's found in very bad shape and very badly burned. Champion also states that Jessica was not burning when she was found. This was just a rumor. She did go up to one of the firefighters and she did speak. Of course, Champion would not say what Jessica had said, but told the news that it certainly has given us a lead that we are following up on. He also states that the volunteer fire department that responded to the car blaze was able to respond so fast because they were only a couple miles away at another call when the call came in. It was also clear early on that an accelerant, as the captain had said, was used, but they were not able to determine if the accelerant was poured on the car or onto Jessica or both. Mm -hmm. Now, Champion believes that the key to everything in this case is her cell phone. Okay. Jessica's phone. Um, he he was going under the assumption that she had received a call before she left her house. Now, Jessica's phone was found near her car. And so th there's a bit of a process here, 
Okay. Well, let's start with the PJs, right? Right. So we got the, she's wearing PJs. So everybody's assuming her plan that night from all accounts is that she was going to go to this party based on the footage. It doesn't seem like a lot of logical sense, but we're also coming from, we're old dudes, you know, like if we were going to a party, you know, it takes us a long time to get ready because we, you know, we look like dog shit, right? Mm-hmm. But this, and and yeah, and women do will take their time getting ready for events. But this is also not that uncommon for a girl to, oh, I got to run to the gas station first. I'm in my pajamas. She could have ran to the gas station and was expecting to come home, change, and then go to the party. Right. That that's totally possible. Does that factor into what happened to her? Is that some kind of lead? I don't know, but that that's a possibility is what I'm saying. Well, it's only a lead because one, if she actually went to the party, which I think they're able to determine that she she did not go to the party. Now from there, your next lead is going to be, okay, well, who would she have attended this party with had she ended up right? And then did they go to the party? Right, right. Was there somebody else missing from the party? Yeah, because now you have to piece together who was with her at that moment, you know, mm-hmm. we, we have that 90 minutes from the, from the time that she leaves the gas station to the time that she's found, we need to figure out what happened during those 90 minutes. Now, this is why the cell phone becomes so important because, mm-hmm. you know, with the, with the way everybody, you know, with the way everybody texts and calls so much these days, there might be a text, there could be a phone call that, that took place that would lead them to figure out how she ended up in that wooded area with her car on fire. Well, what's, you know, what happens as far as, uh, for me, as far as fascinations with the case is you have a time frame, right? You have a window, right? So you have a window and in this case, she's at the gas station and then she's found. It's a 90 minute window mm-hmm. and it's piecing together that now today with social media, Snapchat, all that stuff, you, these windows of these cases are going to become smaller and smaller because we're going to have, you know, because we, how many cases have we covered where we're like, well, nobody really talked to her for days and days and then she was murdered. So now you have days and days of a window, Mm -hmm. right? But now with social media and technology, these windows are going to be very small. We're going to know what happened 15 minutes before or five minutes before. Mm -hmm. So that's what they're going on. So what I'm also, there's a call that sends her, does the call send her to the gas station? Like Jessica gets a call. Mm-hmm. Does that call send her to the gas station? Or was it just a random call? Well, do you want to get into the gas station? I think we need to. I think we got to talk about the gas station now. So what what did she do while she was at the gas station that we know about? She, she arrived. Uh, she was pumping gas. She waved to somebody, went and spoke to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, she does go into the gas station, and apparently she is friendly with the uh, store attendant mm-hmm. and would speak with him when she would go in there. Uh, he said something to media later that she had purchased four, $14 worth of gas, which was more than usual for her. She was, you know, you know how some people go in, you see them at the gas station, they go, give me five on pump two. Well, she was that kind of person. She she took a few bucks and filled up the car. 
you know, but on this well, occasion, it, right. It might just be because she didn't have money to fill up the tank. He just thought that it was a little abnormal because that's, that's, right, that's the that first she, thing right. that the detectives are going to ask him. Did she mm-hmm. do anything or say anything abnormal that night? Well, right. she purchased $14 worth of gas, which is considerably more than she usually buys. Mm-hmm. He says that he had commented to her about the amount of gasoline purchased. And she said that she was, she had somewhere to go, but did not elaborate on that. Now in the, video footage as the captain had said there's a lot of cameras going on here so you see different camera views uh you know camera one camera two and so on and so forth but through piecing all these together you can see her movements her her going over and saying hi to somebody she goes into the gas station there are several yeah she puts that it looks like she puts on a cigarette before she goes in yeah, there are several men inside this gas station. There's mm-hmm. about three of them. Just hanging out. They're they're just hanging out. Like the mm-hmm. captain said, there's not this is kind of the spot, you know, the hot spot mm-hmm. in town where people would go and they would just chat. But there's three men kind of hanging out off to her side while she's up paying for uh presumably the gas that she purchased. Well, I'm from a small town and for some reason we had a um a car wash that people would hang out at. There's a bowling alley and a car wash mm-hmm. and people would just drive their cars over to the car wash and hang out. Never made any sense to me anyways. So yeah, people are just hanging out now. Is she, it looks to me as she goes to ATM machine and the footage. Yeah, she, she, I, I don't know if she went to an ATM, but there, there are two transactions that take place with the teller, um, with the attendant. Uh, she goes in and presumably pays for the gas, and then it's believed that she went back and purchased a like a pack of cigarettes. Mm-hmm. So again, we're back to this magical hour or this this ninety minutes of where was Jessica and how did she end up at this wooded area? Now, the the thing that's troubling here is you know the captain asked why was she at the gas station? It may just have been to pick up cigarettes and and gas up the car. Um, we don't know what right, activity that, was going on with that cell phone. And the, right. But, but you, one could assume like, th- th- that's what I'm saying. We're trying to close out this window. And so it's like, but one could assume if she's going to, you know, in her PJs to get gas, why you're getting gas at night for a reason. Mm-hmm. Is it for the next day? Is it to go to this party? Are you getting cigarettes just because you, you're a smoker or you get an extra cigarettes because you're going to a party. So I'm saying I'm trying to figure out what her intention is right. for later on in the, the night. Right. I, I think that, you know, investigators are working off of the assumption that they're taking her at her word, that she was just simply going to clean out her car and get something to eat. She's dressed to me as though she's returning to her mom's house afterwards. Um, but, yeah, you're right. What What were her intentions after that? We don't know. Well, well, yeah, yeah. I think you're totally correct. Her intention is to go back to her mom's house, but what is her intention after that? I mean, or, it's, it's at night. Why are you cleaning up your car? Are you cleaning up your car because you want to pick up a guy? I mean, think about you know. I kind of have a messy car here and there, but if I was going to pick up a, a girl for a date, I want to clean it out, right? Mm-hmm. I want. I don't want to be Captain Slob, right? They don't. You don't want them to get in the car and go. Ugh, like there's all these. You know, rappers everywhere. So maybe, but that's what I'm saying. Was that her intent? And then did she meet up with this person earlier? You know, did she not go back to her mom's house? You know? 
Right, right. Well, well, but the the thing here is, right. You've you've got to figure out if she was if she met with the person that 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 set the fire, right? Or was she carjacked, or did something something uh you know get in the way of of her plans that evening? Right. You know, was was she was there a text or a phone call that led her elsewhere? Right, and, th- and that's another difficult thing about this case. I mean, it's a fascinating case, but because of the trial and because of this, you know, it's not case closed that this information is not out there. Normally we cover a case and we can say, okay, based off of the, based off the trial and based of what the, the cops released, we know their phone records. This we're kind of in the dark. Yeah. There's, there's been very little released on this case. And due to that, we've seen nothing but rumor. And unfortunately, you know, this case was very hard to read about and research uh, for the obvious that she was the horrible manner that she was killed. But on top of that, there are so many news articles and there's so many news clips that you will read something in one article and then read another article that that will tell you that that first one was all rumor. You know, and and so there's a lot of there's a lot of this back and forth when you look into this case. Just a prime example: the father says that she was found burning when the first responders arrive, and the district attorney quickly says, "Well, that's not true. That was just a rumor that was going on in the area at the time." So with these rumors, you're going to see this time and time again in this case. I mean, very quickly into this investigation, by January of 2015, there are some wild theories out there. And they're just about everything that one can think of. Mm-hmm. Mentions of the KKK, of bikers, uh, Aryan Brotherhood, meth gangs, everything that you can think of. Right. There were Satanic. theories for these ca- a, yeah. for this case. Yeah, and we can dive into that right after a quick. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, It can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. 
This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out betterhelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Beer break. All right, we're back. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. So we're knee-deep in this case, right, Captain? We have this young woman who was found, and she's been murdered, and we're trying to piece together her 
her last hours before the attack and before she's killed. Now, as we said, there's rumors, there's theories coming out. Why? Because the detectives, they're holding everything close to the vest here. They're not releasing a whole lot of information. And this will cause the rumor mill to run wild, right? And with Jessica being so brutally, you know, the murder was so brutal. I mean, somebody set her on fire, set her car on fire fire as well. Everybody wants to know answers. Everybody wants to know why. And they also want somebody to pay for this. Somebody, they want justice to be served. So a close friend of Jessica, a man claiming to be close friends of Jessica, claimed also that Jessica at some point lived with his mother for about six months or so comes out saying, well, look, this is, this is pretty simple. This all goes back to her father, uh, her father, Ben. So he claims that Jessica, Jessica Chambers father, Ben was a meth dealer. Now, like we talked before, Jessica's father works for the police department. Mm -hmm. He's like a mechanic. Mm -hmm. Uh, but this guy's claim is that on the side that he's also a meth dealer and this, her death is a direct cause of him being a drug dealer and so what he comes out and then the other interesting thing here is that um her brother ben not her father but her brother ben a year or so prior to all this uh, was in a single car accident and he was he died so he also claims that that was related to um the father being a drug dealer like, that there's some kind of turf war going on uh, right there's amongst drug dealers and that they're attacking ben's family right basically like hey if we we killed off your son you know so knock it off and just and and in the hopes that he's going to stop selling uh meth and then again when that didn't happen now well we're going to kill your daughter he also makes claims that uh, Jessica had a, some run-ins with these gangs before uh, because of her father as well. They're targeting this girl. And she was gang-raped twice. That was one of the hardest parts about this case for me, Captain, when I was looking into it. There were so many rumors going on. But on top of that, for every news story that you would read, you know, you have the the blog commenters below that you can read their comments. And a lot of them were so... A lot of them were so racist on 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 both sides of the tracks, I guess you mm -hmm. could say, you know, whether it being uh, African-American people saying racist things because she was a white victim or white people saying uh, racist things about African-American people being, you know, that that she was, you know, known to have dated African-American men and mm -hmm. that this case is probably that she pissed off some white boy that was infatuated with her. Right, the and motives that, being race-related. Yeah, and, and that's what was so disconcerting for me when I was researching this case was that every every news article that I read, there was some form of racism by the readers, you mm -hmm. know? And, and at some point, you got to be looking for justice and not just pointing the finger at maybe some people you don't like for unknown reasons. Uh, we're talking about a small town here, um, this well, well, it seemed to me that a lot of people had, you know, previous agendas. Yes. And then they, exactly right. then they're looking at this case and whatever their agenda is, you know, so if it's like, oh, well, I don't believe that white women should date black men. So then I see this case and I go, oh, see, this is what happens. Right. And it's like, 
I mean, maybe there is motive for that. I mean, we talked roughly like it's possible that the, some of the guys that she dated were in gangs. It seems like this area, uh, you know, has a lot of gang activity. Yeah. And if she was dating a guy in one gang, then maybe that's she w- the her murder was retaliation on that gang. Mm-hmm. And that's very possible. Yeah. It, it, but the thing is here with, as you said, most people, they, some of these people will go into it looking at it one way and they skew the events to, to follow their theory. Right. The problem here is whomever did this, they had the, to, to treat somebody this way and to kill them in this manner. This, to me, there's something more involved that you're either dealing with an absolute loose cannon or you're dealing with somebody that's got a lot of hatred and that is probably likely to kill other people. Um, this is not just something that, that you do as a retaliation, in my opinion, not something that you do because of an infatuation. Uh, but again, well, again, it's a senseless crime though. So trying to make sense right. out of a senseless crime, it, right. it puts I don't us in agree. a bad spot. Right. I don't agree on that level because I think, you know, it's kind of this alpha thing, you know, who's the alpha dog in these gangs. And so it's always taking things to the next level. So yeah. If, if it was gang related, if it was drug related uh, on her brother's death, oh, we ran this guy off the road. He died in a car accident. You, then they're upping the ante and saying, okay, well, we can't just shoot somebody, right? Mm -hmm. We, we, we're, they're trying to make a statement here. So that's where I, I look, would this person kill again? Yeah. This, whoever did this is an absolute psychopath is an absolute fucking monster is an absolute fucking animal and you know it's 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 ridiculous but they will kill again but to say that well i don't believe somebody would do this heinous of a crime uh just if it was gang related i i don't i don't buy that i think it's very possible so let's get back into some of the facts of this case right so we have at roughly 5 30 uh, Jessica Chambers is seen on the surveillance camera. This is at the gas station that we had discussed. Now, we did say that they found they were able to retrieve her cell phone near her vehicle at the scene of the crime. Now, they are able to determine later that there was phone activity at the crime scene where she would later be found. And this phone activity took place at, at approximately 7.30 p.m. Now, at 8.09 p.m. is when the report of a car on fire goes out and they get the call. Now, at 8.13, remember we had said they showed up very quickly. Just four minutes later, they find the vehicle and then they find Jessica Chambers. At 9.30 p.m., you know, Jessica has already been life flighted to Memphis to try to save her. But at 9.30 p.m., we still have a crime scene that we're dealing with. Now, there is a tow truck driver who shows up and he removes the vehicle and he's going to take it to back to the police impound lot where they're going to, you know, test it for whatever that they need to test it for. Hopefully they did some proper testing at the crime scene itself, but he is going to stop off along the way, which I I think is probably extremely frowned upon, but he stops off at this very same gas station that Jessica was seen earlier on the surveillance footage. Now what happens here is he's stopping off to buy a pack of cigarettes. 
Well, the store attendant then proceeds to take pictures of the burnt vehicle. And he would later post those onto Facebook, and he would also state some details about the crime. Now, later we would learn that a lot of these details that he states on there is simply more rumor than actual fact. Mm -hmm. But what he does here is he throws himself into the suspect ring. Well, like we said before, this gas station is kind of a social gathering. So how many, this rumor mill in this small town and who's seeing it or, or who's hearing it? It would be, the, you know, like the bartenders or, in this case, the gas station attendant. And now, for some reason, he's posting this stuff on Facebook. Yeah. And what this whole thing is going to come down to is going to be that hour, that last hour that she was alive and her cell phone and the cell phone activity. This is what they need to figure out. And that's the process, though. There, There's a process of figuring out that that cell phone one you have to get the rights to to look up all the records of the usage of the cell phone and once you've cleared that hurdle you you may have to figure out the password or figure out how to access the cell phone to view the activity yeah and you'll see this time and time again as they're interviewing people from the town uh saying oh yeah we were contacted by the police because um jessica at some point you know, contacted me a couple of days before or the day of, and then the police are starting to question these individuals. Now, I don't know what the father does. You know, I don't know him from anybody, but uh, I never really liked the father theory, um, whether mm-hmm. it be, I believe that that person that had mentioned that, that this was in retaliation to something he was doing or some kind of turf war, right. that he had, that man had also stated that, he believed that Ben was a suspect and being questioned by police. I don't know if that's the facts. What I do know is mm-hmm. that the the sheriff's department, the police department, the district attorney's office, they interviewed close to 200 people regarding this case. And this was late in 2015. So we're only less than a year after this whole investigation has started. And they've interviewed over 200 people. We're talking about a town of only four to 500 people. You've almost interviewed half of the, the occupants of this town trying to figure out what had happened. Now, of those 200 people that were interviewed during the course of this, they figure out a few things, okay? And a lot of this is going to revolve around persons at the gas station that we had spoke of earlier. Now, first, we have that the gas station attendant who became a suspect because he took the photos. And what ends up happening with his story is he ends up basically being run out of town because once he becomes a suspect, he starts receiving death threats and all kinds of threats. And so he hightails it out of town. Now, the police would go on further to state that they do not see him as a suspect, that they've interviewed this man and they don't have him on their list. Right. But we see this all the time where you're guilty in the public eye. Mm-hmm. And now another person that was of interest, as we had said, was the man in the striped shirt that was seen on the surveillance footage pumping gas. What looks like he's filling up a gas tank or a gas can. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Now, he was interviewed as well, as well as the three men that were inside the gas station at the time. And. They, the police, it's funny here because if you read certain newspaper articles, they do say that none of these people are, they, or that they have been cleared. All right. That they've Mm -hmm. all been cleared in the investigation. I've never seen those words or heard those words coming out of the district attorney's mouth. 
because what he simply says is that those those people have been interviewed, they've been talked to, and right. they are not suspects in this case. He's not saying that they're cleared, but they're not suspects. Now, what does take place in this investigation, throughout the investigation, there are rumors all along, like the captain had said, that this could be some form of gang activity or some kind of gang-related crime. What that leads to, in the district attorney's words, are that he does not believe that this is a gang-related crime. However, it does lead them to several gang members or people involved in gang-related type activities. Right, but my argument would be if if she was murdered by a gang member, then therefore it's gang-related. Yeah, what what they end up doing is they, they will uh, arrest and speak with um, 17 suspected area gang members. This took place in December of 2015. They're arrested on gun, drugs, and counterfeit charges, amongst other charges. Um, but again, the district attorney, John Champion, he does not think that any of these suspects of these 17 are related to Jessica Chambers' murder. But he did say that while the investigation led them to them being investigated for other crimes, he did state that in their plea negotiations, all will be given an opportunity to help them help themselves. And maybe that will bring us closer to the truth. Right. And closure. So almost over a year goes by and the rumor mill is going crazy because the police are keeping everything close to the vest. But now we have a suspect. Now we have an individual that we're going to charge in the murder of Jessica Chambers. Yeah. There's a man, Quentin Tellis. He's 27 years old. And the district attorney would say that he was a suspect early on in the case. However, they let the investigation lead them elsewhere. And he did not become the focal point of their investigation until the fall of 2015. Now, tell us he had once lived in Cortland, and that is where uh, the district attorney says that he and Jessica Chambers had become friends. There is no... we. There's the district attorney does not elaborate on the relationship that they had, mm-hmm. uh, but he states that Tellus moved to Mississippi, moved from Mississippi to Louisiana in the summer of 2015. This is the summer after Jessica Chambers is killed. Right. Now, while he's there, Quentin Tellus is arrested in August of 2015 on three counts of unauthorized use of a credit card. Uh, I'm sorry, a debit card. And this debit card would be in connection to another homicide victim. Right. This is a woman that's identified as a 34-year-old University of Louisiana Monroe student uh, from Taiwan. Um, according to an affidavit in the case, Tellus used her bank card uh, belonging to this missing woman on April 7th. Mm-hmm. This was the day before she was her body was found. And again, he used that same card on August 18th and August 19th. Uh, Each time he's withdrawing $500. The authorities had also procured photo evidence and they interviewed Quentin Tellis on August 20th, at which point he admitted that he used the Chase bank card on the three listed transactions that I had just stated. And he also admitted that he was the individual seen in the ATM photos that the, the police were questioning him about. Following the questioning of Quentin Tellis and him admitting that he used the bank card and that he was the person seen in the ATM photos, the police 
they get a warrant to enter Mr. Tellus's home. Mm-hmm. Now, this is his home in Monroe. Uh, and they discover there a quarter pound of marijuana in his bedroom that is packaged for sale. Um, so the suspect, it, he he had stated that, yeah, I, I sell marijuana. Um, mm-hmm. And so he's arrested and booked on several charges, uh, that being using the the dead woman's debit card, as well as being charged with uh, possession of marijuana with intent to sell. So... When they, when Quentin Tellis comes back onto the radar, right, when he becomes the focal point of their investigation into the Jessica Chambers murder, Quentin Tellis is already being held in a correctional facility in Monroe, Louisiana. This is about a four-hour well, drive from, I just from to make Portland, it clear. Mississippi. Like, he was a suspect. There's somebody that was on the radar mm-hmm. with Jessica Chambers at the beginning. Then he moves yeah. after her death, which is little sketchy anyways then he's involved with this debit card and now they're going okay maybe we need to look at this guy again yeah yeah and i just wanted to be very clear well and but the thing that is unclear here is while they transport him from louisiana to mississippi Mm -hmm. uh they then charge him with the death and murder of jessica chambers yeah so what did they know we don't know right that's we, we, what's so frustrating about this damn case. We don't know what they know uh, because they won't say anything. Now, what they will say is that if you listen to and read the district attorney and and what he said about this case all along, he's always said that this case will go back to the cell phone, that her cell phone is going to present us with a lead that's going to lead us to an arrest and then a uh, an indictment and hopefully a conviction. So in this case... While they won't state the specifics of that, we know that they've arrested this man after they were able to access her phone and to see the activity of her phone. Now, this guy, they bring him in, and it's unclear to me what the motive is, what Mm -hmm. his motive is for murder. Now, they, they have gone on to say some things like, you know, the forensics, the forensic evidence in this will be a big part in a driving force in the prosecution of Quentin Tillis. Now, did they find something at the scene? I don't know. Did they find something in his home in Louisiana? We don't, we don't know that. However, there's, there's been something to connect him to this case. And it's not just that he had some kind of friendship or relationship with Jessica Chambers. Right, right. Yeah. Because we could just assume we're bringing this guy back. Now let's start questioning him. They don't do that. They charge him. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a smoking gun somewhere. Yeah, and I think what we're going to see is now he's going to stand trial for the murder of Jessica Chambers in 2017. So next year, I believe it's in June or July, this trial will start. And that's when we're going to see how that they connected him to this crime. You know, they they did figure out one thing forensically regarding this case that they believed all along that the person that set fire to the car and set fire to Jessica was most likely in the car before this took place. Um, I don't know what inf- what information or evidence they could retrieve seeing the state of the vehicle. I mean, the car yeah. was burnt so badly. It was a black car. And when you see pictures of it now, it's white. Right. It's, a, it's a completely white car. Um, but they believed all along that this was a very up close and personal attack and murder that took place, that this person attacked her physically and was in the vehicle when this happened. So then he stands trial for this case. 
Correct. He's going to be, he's been charged and he's been Uh indicted and they will go to trial in the summer of next year. Now, this is a capital murder case. Right. So there is the opportunity for the death penalty in this case Uh now, but we all know that usually they're going to kind of weigh their options here. The district attorney has not outright said that they're going to seek the death penalty. Now, obviously Mm -hmm. the community really wants that to happen. And I'm sure a lot of people listening want this to happen because of how horrifying her death was. Well, yeah. And if he's charged, maybe they should throw some lighter fluid down his fucking throat and set this motherfucker on fire. Well, but the thing is here, they have to weigh their evidence because when you, when you're going to seek the death penalty, it usually needs to be a very open and closed case. You know, it needs to be very obvious to the jury that this guy deserves the death penalty. And I, Again, because they've not released anything, we don't know what kind of evidence they have on this guy. Now, yeah. we should point out, though, that he's also been uh, indicted and he's been charged with the murder of the, the student right. of the debit card that he was using. Yeah, because at the time, they, they didn't have enough evidence, so therefore they discharged him with the use of the card. That gets him in their custody. That gets them access to this information. So... You know, if you watch the Nancy Grace clips, you know, and she's going, and this guy, this guy got away 10 years, 10 years for murder. I don't know if that's how she sounds, but, but anyways, guys, she's annoying sometimes. But, uh, anyways, that, that was like, wow, this guy's going to get away with murder. Boom. Now he's connected with Jessica Chambers. Hopefully he gets sentenced to death for that. Uh, like I said, I mean, this, this, I think it's just because, you know, again, she's she's 19, whole life ahead of her, all that stuff, right? But it's just so brutal. I mean, if, if that's true, I mean, setting somebody on, on fire, that's like a nightmare, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah that's, I, that's everybody's nightmare. Like, I mean, I, it sounds bad because we talk about cases every week, but there's there are some events to me that seem like they trump mm-hmm. other, you know, as far as the brutality of it. Well, and, yeah, uh, you're exactly right. I mean, this case, and we talked about this earlier, that how, how hard it was to research this case. And half of that was because of the brutality of, of the right. violence in this case. And then on top of that, um, you know, it's, you know, it, it, it was just, it was a, a physically draining case to read about because of the violence. I mean, you know, you say sometimes there's, there's ones that aren't as hard to research. You know, last week we talked about Beverly Potts. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's a horrible crime and a horrible case as well. But something that took place 60 years ago, you feel a little more distanced from that that type of crime. And it almost right. feels like you're reading about a story mm-hmm. rather than this seems very... Yeah, more of a history lesson, which this seems very relevant. It's very new. And, uh, and then also you just... You know, just think about when you're 19 and you're driving around and, you know, again, 19 year old when we talked about, well, she never really filled up the tank. Well, it's something you do when you're 19, throw in a couple bucks because that's what you have. And you start just really identifying with this individual. And then if you lived in a small town or had friends, you know, grow up in a small town. And so, I mean, I'm not normally one to just say, let's kill this dude, you know, but for some reason, this case like this is horror it's it's sad and then i see pictures of this guy and he's just he's the definition of a monster he's the definition of of the devil 
which then also started rumors that this was a satanic act and all this other junk. Um, but you're going to continue to see rumors about this case and wild theories about this case, even though they have their so-called man, you know, well, you're going to continue to see that until the trial comes out and we start to see what links him to the crime right, and, the who, actual, and who he yeah. is exactly. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to prosecute the guy here in the garage because we should, we should assume that he right, that is innocent, innocent before, right. you know, but but the thing is with Well, I could do that if I wasn't drinking. With the death of with the death of the student from uh, Louisiana Monroe University, that was an extremely violent death as well. I believe she was right. stabbed over 30 times. Right, that's so, what I'm saying. I think this guy is just a, a freaking monster. And what we're talking about here though is somebody that is has the ability that is capable of very heinous and violent violent murders that are up close and personal. Right. I, I can see why these two are, are very linked, you know, that that you can link these two together because of the amount of violence, because of how close you would have had to been when you were attempting to end that person's life. Whomever did this to Jessica, basically they set her and her vehicle on fire and they walked away. They walked away hoping that she would never walk away right, and right. that she would never be able to tell what had happened to her. Now she survived long enough and we don't know what tips she gave or and what again, that will probably come out in the trial. Right. We don't know what she said to the first responders, but so, so but when, I hope she had the last word in this case. So the stage is set. The trial is set for the summer of 2017. So this is a case that will, we will jump back into once uh, we hear news and, and I'm sure people like Nancy Grace and stuff will jump all over these, this trial. Yeah, and you know what, though? Maybe for a form of punishment for, you know, whether you receive life or death or whatever, maybe you should have to spend like an afternoon with Nancy Grace if you're if you're a guilty, <laughs> horrible person and just just let her yell at you for, for an afternoon. Now, but the that's thing, mean because I, I, I do sometimes watch her show and enjoy it. So I don't want to I don't want to bash her too much. I mean, she's well, anyway, <laughs> but, but the thing is that we are no going to, what no we will find out about is there's going to be a couple things happen with this case, even uh-huh. before the trial takes place, right? We're going to have to figure out, is this going to be a death penalty case? They'll uh-huh. have to figure that out. And I'm sure we'll hear more about that before the summer of 2017. But the other issue is here, when would he stand trial for the murder of the university student? Mm-hmm. And will that be a death penalty case as well? Because both of those states carry the death penalty, and these are both horrible crimes. And, of course, this case has to come out uh, the week of Christmas, and I think I dropped the most F-bombs I have on, on the episode. Mm, you're going to have to clean it up a little bit, mister. Yeah, I, I apologize if that offends. I mean, we, we set the bar at, you know, this is, uh, what it, we put the E, little E on there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I try not to drop them too, but this is just, sometimes you read about this stuff and it just hits you in a, in a weird way and it just, just lingers with you. And then for three or four days, you're just freaking depressed about everything and you just humanity, you just, mm-hmm. you lost hope in humanity anyways. Um, so we'll, we'll give updates on this case once we know something and we got any recommended reading for the week. We do this week. We are recommending psychopaths in our lives by Diane, Diane Emerson. Uh, as you probably know, most of what is written about psychopaths are from the perspective of violent psychopaths, but in some cases, serial killers are operating on a much lower level 
than psycho psychopaths that are successful in masking their true character. This is not an, you know, one of those all of these people are bad kind of stories. Right. Uh, the author wants people to see the truth about what psychopaths are doing and for people to recognize how they operate. Again, that's Psychopaths in Our Lives by Diane Emerson, and you can pick that up by going to truecrimegarage.com and click on the recommended page. And thank you, everybody out there, for listening. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to take this moment to say happy holidays, uh, Merry Christmas, happy Kwanzaa. I'm sure I'm going to... Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll light menorahs for everybody. Whatever you're celebrating, do it with mm-hmm. your friends and family, and let's all be great to each other this holiday season and all of next year. I have a couple drinks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Break bread. Yep, we'll be here next week in the garage, and we will see you next week in the garage. Until then, have a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't look. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.